So when we <clears throat> regard mind, we often tend to review the contents of the mind, thoughts, impressions, behaviours, psychologies, emotions, personality traits. Uh, this acts as a mesmerising play. The personality, circumstances that affect the personality, personality and circumstances interweave. What am I doing? Where am I going? What does she think of me? What could I be? What should I be doing for him or her or them? Uh, you know, so the circumstances and the personality go together. They very get very busy. Um, <laughs> life is chaotic, <laughs> and the person is trying to make it make shape out of it all, <laughs> make a shape. <laughs> so it gets very busy, and so the person themselves that that experience is uh, often a really. Uh, highly used experience, it gets very muscular, it also gets very strained and uh, because it is related to circumstances yeah, it's codependently arising on circumstances the world and the, and the person codependently arise so when things aren't going on apparently then the person creates things because the personality depends upon things to be going on. Yeah. You can't have a personality with nothing to do. It gets, it starts fantasizing, worrying, planning, hoping. Yeah. Personality is like a reflection of the world. It's built out of the contact between circumstances and chitta produces the person uh, and that's historical you know as we first come into the sensory world we haven't got much of a personality very simple instincts very simple desires for security food warmth shelter and then it gets more and more it learns more and complex uh, programs and activities as we develop as human beings and primary one is how do I fit in how do I make sense? How do I find what I need from other people? How do I get away from what I don't need with other people? How do I get my friends or um, colleagues or alliances? That's his primary concern, personality. So often then we're following, persons following trends that are the mainstream. Yeah. So whatever else is doing that, I'll do this. Yeah. Uh, so we get very, the person gets very um, trained, entrained to follow circumstance, particularly the group circumstance other people are doing. And then it, then it gets very busy making sure it's doing right, doing okay, doing the right performance, being approved of, and so forth. So it's always busy. But then try to meditate from a personality point of view. <laughs> isn't very very agreeable uh, uh, because uh, you think right I've got to do this meditation now and how do I do it and what am I supposed to do and you can make meditation into another sort of occupation you know okay here's instructions do this 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 
get on. And it gets very complicated. Trying to do the right thing. You've read in a book. Okay, this is what we do. I want to do that. Get to this good place. Um, and that's uh, fraught with problems. Uh, because often what you're working with now is not, uh, um, you know, abstractions such as time and place and making sure you're somewhere on time and getting things organized. But you're dealing with the life force itself, which is not personal. It doesn't follow personality. You know? This is rather like you know, the nozzle of a hose trying to organize the water. Say, <laughs> so, I want more water. And the water is just flowing. <laughs> and a nozzle, which has been used to water the garden or wash the car or something, that's the personality. But you can't. You can't do much about the water. Yeah. Still, the, the strong flow of jitta searching for yeah, uh, this energy, searching for something to be, something. This is the bhava becoming current that it's in. And you know, whatever else you know, meditation or cultivation is about, big thing it's about is the end of becoming, not being a person. <laughs> getting out of that stress of being a person who has to arrive somewhere, make things happen, be okay, and is faced with the fact that it is mortal. It tends to decline physically, psychologically, and so on. So meditation isn't really a personal pursuit. <laughs> what is it then? How do I do it? Well... You sort of uh, establish or begin to establish certain uh, transpersonal qualities. Only transpersonal is they're, they're not personal. Um, they they transcend it, and actually they're universal. And these are what are called the you know the enlightenment factors. The the Summary of them is the Bodhipakya Dhammas, which means the full 32 um, factors. And these include things like the Eightfold Path, the Seven Factors of Enlightenment, the Four Right Efforts, the Idipadas. And so today we just think about the Five Indriya. Five Indriya. This means, Indriya means a leader, an authority. Faith or sadha, virya, energy, uh, mindfulness, sati, and then samadhi, collectedness, composure, consolidation of mind, unification of mind, and panya, discernment, clear seeing. These five. So, you know, what's that? Where do I get that from? I mean, I can focus on my fingers, on my feet, or a mantra, but where's this sadha stuff? <laughs> How can I focus on that? Well, no, you don't focus on it. It does the focusing, right? Rather than the person doing the focusing, these five indriya do the focusing. Okay? So now you're not operating through the, the nozzle of the personality. You're operating through something rather um, 
less afflicted by mortality and time, um, less afflicted by um, views and opinions, and definitely discernible. Now, often for this discerning these, we have to return to this or acknowledge the primary quality of citta, this sense of a knowingness, of sensitivity. Forget the stuff it's, it's carrying, just the knowingness as awareness, like a mirror. There's a certain effective sensitivity. Yeah. And it's got it's a certain radiance to it. Yeah. When it's not congested. The Buddha says, luminous bhikkhus is this mind, but it's defiled by adventitious defilements. Uninstructed worldling doesn't understand as it really is, therefore there's no development. And he follows that up, luminous bhikkhus is this mind, and it is freed from adventitious, that means things that come and go, Defilements. The instructed noble disciple understands as it really is. Therefore, I say, for the instructed noble disciple, there is development of mind. Mm. So, he's is talking about the person who's actually on track. Um, yeah. If one doesn't know it as it really is, we don't necessarily see this luminosity being twisted and turned out into fantasies and proliferation and yeah, yeah. So we don't really notice that, or we think that's me. And that's me doing it. No, 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 no. That's defilement, stirring it up and forming these particular panic, anxieties, um, ill will, and so forth. You see it as it really is, then it's kind of, it's prior, it's not, it's undefiled. Quality of jitta, as seen as it really is, the defilements haven't taken over. Now, this is not talking about enlightenment. This is talking about um, the potential there. Because still, for this disciple, even though they really understand jitta, they see that development is needed. They will develop. But now they're looking, instead of looking at the defilements and taking it all personally and trying to operate as a personality, they're seeing into the, the fundamental luminosity of mind. Aha, uh -huh, it's this. Right. And now what's needed, because you return to that, it gives you a sense of faith because you say, oh, look at that. I didn't, you know, I can not be this frantic worried person yeah that's just a, a kind of a, a whirlpool on the stream i just go into the stream itself water cool i don't have to necessarily create this personal preoccupation so it's called faith arises you mean you have now you have a choice and you see the possibility there's an awakening possibility and this quality of sadha is something you can experience in your body. And if you want to really recollect what I mean by embodied mind, uh, it's not about clearly the physicality, but you, you light up. Oh, you feel yourself straighten. Ah, you light up. That's there. Yes, I see that. That's a possibility. Something sharpens, and there's a somatic resonance with that. 
you see the possibility that's that then I don't have to I could creates the possibility this is sattā absolutely essential um, it's not about having things planned that's a personality plans things for the future it's not about believing in something that's a personal thing it's about a sense of opening to the transpersonal uh, potential of citta And this quality, the fundamental one, must be returned to many times when we recollect the Buddha's teaching. Oh yeah, right. It's not me. I remember, I think my first um, real strong moment of, of sadha, seeing just a simple statement of the Buddha, um, what was it? Separation from the loved is dukkha. Association with the disliked is dukkha. Not getting what you want is dukkha. I thought, oh, he's just summed up my life <laughs> in one in one sentence. <laughs> you mean, oh, someone has seen that and just placed that there. It's the whole story of what I'm doing when I'm doing is suddenly blown apart. It's just that simple quality. Uh, sometimes you meet someone who, who gives you that moment of realization. You suddenly see beyond the person into looking at, even looking at your personal world from a transpersonal perspective. You see what I mean? Like I could be doing this and that and the other, wanting this, wanting that, and I get fascinated by that and sorrowing about that, but then separation from the light is, is dukkha. Oh. That's transperse. It's not about me particularly, it's about everybody. Right? That's what you mean by transpersonal. And it's timeless. That's transpersonal. So with this is a certain kindling of energy. There's a sense of right. There's something specific to be done. You light up and you get enthused something to be done it could be sit still it could be take a breath it could be just put that down it could be or pick this up for me it was go to a monastery quick <laughs> something needs to be done here yeah something needs to be done uh, again it's how it speaks to you is individual but that's a quality that everyone gets if if there's development because if there isn't that then what will happen is essentially it will be going back to the defilement going back to the habit you're going to do something something's going to happen that's for sure so what's it going to be <laughs> something's not like nothing's going to happen something's going to happen so what's it going to be Something you have faith in, something that's taking you transcending things, or is it just getting by the same old stuff again and again? Saying, no, something has to be done here, something has to be given up, something has to be determined. And then mindfulness means you stay with it, don't forget it, stay on topic, get that and establish it, you establish a frame of reference. Yeah? 
So mindfulness creates a holding pattern. You just stay in your body, mindful of your precepts, mindful of your resolution, so you can make it a large frame or a narrow frame. So you've got something that frames things up. You're now you're the witness of your person, rather than being the person, you're the witness of your person, your personality. And how it forms. It's me getting upset, it's me getting busy, it's me feeling happy, this is me feeling lonely. Frame it up. Having a good day, having a not good day. Consolidate. Samadhi means the energy of the mind has to be gathered together. The natural consequence of sati mindfulness is that your mind will, instead of being scattered and diffused, it will be consolidated. It's often called concentration, but this is not concentration as an act of the will to focus on a particular point. This is the unification of the mind. It's the mind being scattered into past and future, should and shouldn't, me and them, what I want and what I want. It stops all that dividing of its energies and unifies. It's a unification of mind. It's not unification on an object. It's unification of the mind. Not focusing on a particular point, but bringing the mind together into a sense of stability, firmness and ease. It's now sitting in itself. Now, wisdom can start to scan. This is not necessary. This is beautiful. This is to be encouraged. This is to be relinquished. So this is, you know, practice really, uh, as all day long. Well, you know, that's the theme. And so, you know, then jitta is held carefully. This uh, fundamental property of jitta, instead of being scattered and stained and thrown around, is uh, gathered together. We realize it's not a person. Um, and it gives us a way of purifying. Now, in terms of practice, what will occur is we'll experience both personal qualities to do with circumstance and also we might say pre-personal or sub-personal, which is all kinds of... Um, I mean, people experience strange states of aloneness or uh, fear, irritation, some childhood memories come up, childhood patterns come up, feeling small, feeling helpless. It's not the same as the present day personality with her or his, you know, learning and education. This is the unresolved subpersonal, pre-personal qualities that need to be cleared. And why do we meditate? Because once we've checked the personality from her or his activities, what's going to happen is the unresolved pre-personal material will start to arise because it's no longer being capped by the ongoing flood of circumstances. The pre-personal urges, drives, uh, fears, uh, 
angers, uh, confusion, and losses, and so forth. This is called old karma, the acquisitions, the upadi, the acquisitions, and cleared. Uh, so as long as one is being a personality, you don't clear it. You just keep putting more stuff on top. So this is why we meditate to <laughs> check the flow of circumstance to enter something that's more long-term uh, to be cleared. And so we need these transpersonal factors there to sustain that, that process and practice. And clearly, as you practice with discernment, you can see, well, I think, in wisdom, I think it would be good just to be breathing in and out, or just to be spacious, or just to be walking up and down, or just to be a body, or just to be experiencing gratitude, or send some mudita through the mind, or some equanimity. You know, you start to inflect what seems suitable uh, to bring the mind together. This is the Meditation, jhana, and the word jhana often circumstantially seen as something rather sublime. It is, of course, sublime, but also it just means the word to meditate is, is jayati. So jhana means you consolidate and you get to work and it is able to inflect positive qualities. It's luminous radiant quality begins to activate in terms of suffusing so like a certain saturating of the heart with goodwill and with happiness and with ease and this is rather like taking a piece of dry knotted leather and putting oil in it gradually smoothing it and smoothing it and smoothing it and soothing it and rubbing it till it becomes supple and light. And this is the work of, well, aspect of the work of meditation. When I was in a monastery in Tibet, a few years back, I visited a monastery and the, the monk talking about, you know, practice and what he did. He says, yeah, well, we're studying emptiness and agarjana, and the Yogacharan philosopher Majamika, and I said, do any meditation? So we don't do any meditation, not for the first 20 years, not allowed to meditate, it's too dangerous. Unless you get a really good understanding of emptiness and um, so forth, meditation, you know, you could easily go into difficult territory and think, wow, really? Because, you know, that's why I started with meditation. And he's right. <laughs> I just go into a lot of difficult territory. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't study Nagarjuna first of all. But I wasn't up to studying Nagarjuna. <laughs> I didn't want to read more books. My head was full of books already. I want to empty out. So, you know, you very different ways. You, know, you approach it from different angles. But it's a good thing to recognize because what can happen for people is that uh, without, if these indriyas are not strong, they, they drop, the chitta opens up, but it comes up with some really, it runs out. It goes into either these pre-personal states, they get overwhelmed with trauma or something of that nature, or it, it, because it doesn't have a boundary by itself, it just breaks out 
and it goes off into astral planes, psychic levels, um, paranormal states, and they're all wow, wow, you know, I'm out there. It's fantastic. It's amazing. Having a good time. It's like taking LSD. It's out there, you know. It's out there, and you begin to recognise, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of places Chitta can go once you, you know, take unhook the personality. He could go anywhere. This is like a a creature, a wild creature, and it could run off to some pretty strange places and maybe not come back. And people do flip out, yeah? Or come back with its tail between its legs, having spent three years stuck in some state or another. Mm-hmm. Forest agents are very aware of this. So um, you get this called vipalasa, jitter distortions. It starts to get elated. And, oh, yes, I've seen the oneness, the light, and I am the cosmic joy and something or the other. Uh-huh. Well, okay, better sweep the monastery, you know, go and clean the toilets and do this and the other. Get grounded, get grounded, get grounded. You know, forget your meditation, just get back to planet Earth. Um, so, so that was all this a story. Because the jitta could run out. Story of Michi Gao, who was an, apparently an Arahant nun in the, in the time of Ajahn Mun and Ajahn Mahabur. And she met Ajahn Mun the great Thai forest master, when she was a little girl. And she put food in his bowl. She was only seven or eight or something. And, he, you know, he, he was obviously you know, loving, loving kind of person. He was a loving man, so encouraged her. And she dropped into meditation. And she'd go to these kind of samadhi states. And she'd talk to him about all these things she'd seen. She'd been and seen visions and stuff like that. And he said, mm-hmm. Very good, very good. You get a good chitta. Stop meditating. Sooner or later, a teacher will come along who can train you. Until he comes along, no more meditation for you. So because she had sata in him, she stopped. And then 20 years or so later, Ajahn Mahabur came along, who was capable of reining her in. Because yeah. she'd go out to these states, psychic realms, and he'd bring her back to knowing her sati wasn't strong enough to contain her chitta. These were not evil states. They were not evil. But they were, he realized she had the potential for nibbana, and that chitta was going to waste its time fooling around in the cosmos. And not realise Nibbana, unless it was reined in. So, this does remind us of that, you know, once you've seen mind, you should also see training. Development is possible. It's not been done yet, but it is possible. It needs to be trained. And the training could be gentle, encouraging, gladdening, or restraining. You have to have a teacher uh, and also understand so that that can be accomplished. Because jitta has to be held. Um, in jitta, there's no such thing as time and space. You see, so personality works very much in terms of time, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Jitta doesn't. Time is a construction. Jitta experiences change. Yeah, change occurs. But it doesn't experience time. In other words, it's not 
you know, it's nine o'clock and ten o'clock and it's Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. That, no, that's not jitter. Jitter experiences constant shift and change. It doesn't have linear sequential time in it. So you could, your jitter could go, apparently what you'd think could go back to 15 years ago. Because it, it doesn't operate, it doesn't exist in those, in the temporal realm. There was an interesting story I was reading the other day about a, a psychic a man who could see ghosts. He's an Englishman. And uh, people didn't think ghosts existed. I, I'm open to the possibility. They're certainly all over the suttas. You've got devas and ghosts, and these are psychic forces. Everyone understand them. And Jitta can meet them. And <laughs> Jitta can meet them. Normally our Jitta's are so involved with our personalities that we don't. <laughs> Because we're still stuck in this little personality box. Once it's out there, it can meet all kinds of strange beings. And this is very well known and documented and understood in the great Buddhist traditions of Asia. Anyway, this psychic, he could see this... Uh, he shared a house with a ghost in England. The ghost lived in the 18th century. And the psychic lived in the 20th century. The psychic could see the ghost, but the ghost couldn't see the psychic, right? So the 18th century ghost couldn't see the 20th century person. The 20th century person could see the 18th century person, and they could both hear each other. And the 18th century person would sometimes leave presents here and there, you know, as a gift for you and so forth. The 18th century person thought the 20th century person was a ghost. <laughs> who, who occasionally popped up in his house. <laughs> the 18th century person thought the 20th century person was a ghost, and the 20th century person thought the 18th century person was a ghost. <laughs> who isn't, who isn't? In terms of chitta, we're all ghosts. <laughs> Now, you know, I'm apparently talking to people in Malaysia and America. Are you sure? <laughs> Is there anybody here? <laughs> so, due to experiences that take you back to, or you're repeating patterns of, of emotion, psychology that you had when you were five. Yeah. And it can be very disturbing. You think, oh, what am I doing? Yeah. Or even deny it, that you're acting like a five-year-old. Yeah. But realize this isn't a person. Don't take it personally. This is just what chitta does. It goes through all its old places, all the potentials there are for it to go to. It will go to them. Yeah. Whether in this life, in another life, in a past life, you will get previous life flashbacks, off to some other area in the psychic cosmos. Devaloka, hell realms, and so forth. It will go off, and it gets fascinated by its by its luminosities, by its forms. Therefore, this sense of sati, mindfulness, mindfulness is this using the manas faculty, the intellect faculty, just to say this, but this, yes, but this, and no next, but just this, no next, just this. This is holding it carefully. And you can feel that too.
because uh, when you have sadha, you get the brightening up. Virya, you get a certain energizing. Sati, you get a certain determination or, or uh, a resolution. You feel firmed up. Not rigid, but firm, focused. Samadhi, you begin to sense yourself feeling really comfortable. Firmly comfortable and contained. You're not stopping. Wisdom's got the cool, cool, free quality to it. You can coolly, freely survey what's going on. And these can all be felt and discerned. These then are your indriya. You should know them well. Um, rather than spending 20 years studying Nagarjuna, although if you wish to do that, by all means, uh, make a point of studying every day the five indriya. This is the short way. This is the lesser vehicle. This is the quick way to do it. Study them. Get to feel them. So you're not just caught in the words. Know what they're about. Uh, know these are the transpersonal qualities. You know, absolutely necessary. Uh, such that they're said to these five qualities merge in the deathless. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? These five qualities meet and merge in the deathless. The mind is freed from its fascination, from its fear and faltering and waywardness. Okay, let's uh, pause for now, take a break from that. <laughs> 